Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Wednesday the 12th of August 2009, entitled, A Study of Psalm 92, and the Bible reading is, Psalm 92. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson. invite your attention to Psalm 92 tonight. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound, thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, uh, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the, uh, the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I wish I could remember uh, verse 14 when I go see the doctor because he tells me I need to lose some weight. And now I've got evidence I'm an old man. Uh, But the psalmist begins and he records in verse 1 and 2, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. The, the psalmist is speaking about Jehovah, the eternally self-existent one who reveals himself, and he says it's a good thing to give thanks. Thanks is Yadah, to hold out the hand, to revere to worship, to make confession, to praise, to to give thanks or thanksgiving. It's good. Leupold notes that Luther here actually translates tob, good, as precious. It's not often that I agree with Luther, but I think he's on to something. And uh, uh, it's good. It is precious ethically. Uh, because it is the it is Jehovah's right, it is his due. It is good. It is precious for emotional reasons. It is of benefit to the to the heart of man. It takes the focus of man's heart off of himself and lifts it up to the Lord. You know the surest cure in the word in the world for depression. Give thanks. To give thanks. Lift our heart up to the Lord and give Him the honor and the glory and the praise that is due His name. It is the Lord who is our strength. It is the Lord who is our salvation. It is the Lord who is our security. 
Uh, back in another psalm, Psalm chapter 27, the David records here, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire of his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall mine head be lift up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted. Unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It is good and it is precious for practical reasons. It primes the pump. It starts the praise in the hearts of others. It's good. It's precious. Most importantly of all, because the very Holy Spirit of God says so. It's good to revere. It's good to worship. It's good to praise. It's good to give thanks unto the Lord. It is good as well to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Sing praises, Zamer. Touch the strings of a musical instrument, to play upon it, to make music, to celebrate in song or and music, to give praise, uh, to sing forth uh, praising and psalms. Consider what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. He exhorts the, the congregation at Colossae, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We are further instructed in verse 3. He says, Upon an instrument of ten strings. And the word there is asor. Uh, and it's really what it is. It's a tachycord, an instrument of ten, ten strings. Uh, we're to, to use also the, the psaltery and the, and the lyre and the viol and the harp. Uh, uh, but the, the important thing here is that it's found in the words with a, with a solemn sound in verse 3. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. And uh, we often see the word here in the titles to the to the uh, to uh, uh, particular psalms. It's the word hegayun, 
And uh, we're told essentially Hegayun is our uh, the the Hebrew equivalent of our modern affetuoso, uh, uh, which Oxford has to define for me as a movement expressing tenderness, tender moving strains uh, with feeling tenderly. But really what is being conveyed is a musical score that promotes meditation, promotes reflection upon uh, upon the great and the unsearchable riches of the goodness of our God. All the bangity clangity dishpan stuff that uh, the modern um, religionists claim to be worship, it doesn't somehow seem to fit the definition, does it? Our psalmist names God yet again. In verse 1, he says, O Most High, Elion, the Supreme, the Most High. And I find it fascinating. After that Daniel was able to lead Nebuchadnezzar to the Lord, that's the name Nebuchadnezzar used. And he distinguished in his testimony between the idols of Babylon and the one who rules and is supreme above all. For he met him. We see the name ascribed to our God back in Genesis chapter 14. In Genesis 14, picking up in verse 18, uh, the scripture says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath uh, delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. When Melchizedek received the tithes from Abram, after the victory over Cheddar Laomer, it's the Most High God who got the praise. The Most High God, Abram says, is the possessor of heaven and earth. <laughs> he created it. He spoke it into being. He is indeed worthy of our highest praise and our deepest meditation. And in light of this, the psalmist says it's a good thing, verse 2, to show forth um, thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Show forth, machad, to, to front to stand boldly out opposite, to manifest, to announce by word of mouth, to praise, to expound fully, to speak, to tell, to utter. We're not here to keep silent. We're here to herald the good news. And our psalmist gives two points that we are to herald, that we are to proclaim, expound fully. First being loving kindness. This has to be one of my most favorite words in the Old Testament. I remember years and years and years ago we were in Minor Prophets and uh, we spent a whole week dealing with this word, chesed. Loving kindness, mercy, and I, I love it because it's where it gets, this is where it gets interesting because chesed 
Actually, in the Old Testament embodies uh, two concepts that are manifest in the new. One being charis, grace, and the other, the divine love, agape. And uh, both are acts of the will. And uh, grace being the uncompromised, uh, unrestricted, unrecompensed, loving favor of God toward man. And uh, agape is an act of God's will in which God does what he knows to be best for man and not necessarily what man desires. We, we see uh, that modeled for us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 where that, uh, Paul says, but God commendeth his love, his agape toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave or John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. But you know something? When Christ laid down his life for you and for me, we weren't friends. We were enemies. We were enemies. We were dead in trespasses and sins. It's also the same love of 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, Frederick Godet does a brilliant exposition of our English word charity and explains the significance of charity in 1 Corinthians 13. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Charity. I kind of shrink down the, the commentary that Gilday would have and just say it's love with its bib overalls on and sleeves rolled up to work. God knows what's best for man, and he does it of his own volition, of his own will, not necessarily what man desires but our word chesed is used 246 times in the Old Testament. But yet, it's a Lot who is the first to use the word uh, in the, in the uh, uh, entirety of the word of God. Uh, back over in Genesis chapter 19, verse 19. And uh, in Genesis 19, 19, he says there, Thou hast magnified thy mercy. Uh, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And, uh, and uh, we find that uh, the Lord also used it twice uh, himself as he uh, revealed himself to Moses in Sinai in Exodus 34. 
In Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, uh, we see it used there. And the Lord, as, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. But it will by no means clear the, the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the, uh, the children and upon the children's children and the third and the fourth generation. Uh, in verse 6, we find it as goodness. He's abundant in goodness. In verse 7, keeping mercy. This is free. It's not in the notes. Many also are troubled when they read this about, about uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. We have a good example of what is illustrated there and what is spoken of. You'll recall back in Genesis, Noah preached 120 years. And if you do the arithmetic, you find out that uh, uh, he had a goodly number of his, uh, of his predecessors in the godly line uh, from uh, Seth who uh, worked alongside and building a ship. And he had his sons and his wife and his daughters-in-law. But then when you find the ship land, Shem stays faithful. Japheth is indifferent. Ham is bitter. Ham is so bitter that he passes it on to his son, Canaan. Mocks and ridicules his grandfather. And in doing so, he sows the seed to our entire race of people that extend from him or under the curse of bitterness and go into idolatry and go into all kinds of moral debauchery because bitterness breeds contempt. Ham blamed God. Canaan was bitter and hateful, ignored God, and he sowed rebellion in all his progeny. We have to guard our testimony. We have to guard our testimony. And we need to stay focused upon the goodness of our God to us, even in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations, in the midst of troubles. Our focus needs to be stayed upon God and on His mercy, lest we pass on that seed of bitterness to our descendants. David knew it well, and he proclaimed in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and chesed, mercy, shall follow me all the days of my life. Jeremiah records in 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto men, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore 
uh, with chesed, loving kindness, have I drawn thee. In 33, 11, he said, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy, chesed, endureth forever. In Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies, chesed, that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What a contrast. Solomon says, I believe it's in, in uh, Ecclesiastes, there's no new thing under the sun. Well, Satan's tactics are no, nothing new. You might stick a, an updated tag on an old-fashioned sin, but how precious as Jeremiah sat on Olivet looking across the valley of Kidron to the smoldering ruins that was once Jerusalem. For years he had preached and preached and pleaded and begged for people to get right. He pleaded with Zedekiah to surrender rather than chicken out and run. He was ignored. He was thrown in the septic tanks to the city. And yet as he sat there on Olivet looking across the Kidron to the smoldering ruins of what was once the temple, what was once the holy city, he could say, Thy compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It doesn't matter if we have to look up from the bottom of a dung heap. We need to keep our focus upon the chesed of the Most High God. They are new morning by morning. We see chesed used 26 times in Psalm 136. Psalm 136. You know, if God says something once, that settles it. But when he says something 26 times, I think he wants us to know something. But in Psalm 136, and I'm not going to read the whole psalm, he says there, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his chesed, his mercy endureth forever. And all the way through the psalm, he comes back with the rejoinder, for his chesed endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. But then consider, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 13, and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Paul ends the chapter and he says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity of these three, but the greatest of these is charity. What did we say of chesed? Chesed embodies in the Old Testament two New Testament concepts. Charis, grace, and agape, charity. Charity abideth forever. The chesed of our Lord endureth forever. Is it any wonder 
We are to herald and we are to proclaim our Lord's mercies, loving kindnesses every morning at the break of day. He says, morning, care, the, the dawn, the break of day. And he says, and thy faithfulness every night. Faithfulness being immune, firmness, security, fidelity, faithfulness, stability, truth, verity. Night is Lail. It's a twist away of the light. It's night. But there is an equally valid second meaning to the word Lail. And it is the word adversity. It is the word adversity. And I like what the psalmist tells us in Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. And in verse 1 he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God and the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. We are accompanied by Elohim, by El Elyon, and by Jehovah of hosts. What a present help in adversity that he is. Find in Psalm 36 and verse 5. Psalm 36 and verse 5. There the scripture says, Thy mercy... O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy chesed, O Lord, is in the heavens. Thy faithfulness, immune, reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy, thy judgments are a great deep, O Lord. Thou preservest man and beast. We see the reason for praise. You know what God has done in Psalm 92? In verse 4, he says there, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts, very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. And uh, we see a reason for praise in what he's done. We see the overthrow of the wicked, verses 7 to 9, when the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is uh, that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, O Lord, art most high evermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And we then can see the blessings of God upon the righteous in verses 10 through 12. 
And uh, he says there, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also see, shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And then we find the, the vital place of the house of God in the lives of the, the godly. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall spring forth uh, fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. There's another picture that we could touch on. In verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Palm tree here is Tamar. And this palm is noted for its great height, usually in excess of 50, more like 100 feet. And it's known for the great strength and flexibility. It's marked by the fact that, uh, that it nearly never breaks. Its growth is from the heart of the crown upward and outward. Its root system spreads outward to equal the diameter, uh, the, the farthest extent of its crown. And then at the same time, those roots actually go down over, over eight feet deep in the soil. It bears a rich harvest of dates. It's exceedingly fruitful. And uh, it's, it's known for its fruit. Clusters of dates we're told measuring four to six feet in length as believers were to be flexible but unbreaking. We're to be deeply rooted but our testimony is tall and stately. Uh, the psalmist records in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I'm reminded uh, earlier in our life and ministry, we uh, had the distinct privilege to be volunteered to uh, spend two years on a four-letter word. It's called the island of Guam. And uh, it is indeed a four-letter word. And uh, my favorite uncle volunteered me to go there and, uh, and serve him, uh, Uncle Sam. And uh, But while we were there, the Lord enabled us to start one church, help start a second, and to help build a missionary radio station. And, uh, and uh, while we were there, we knew the excitement of six major earthquakes. Uh, I was in the studio doing a live newscast on one particular morning. And uh, in the middle of my, it was a 15-minute live news summary, 
And all of a sudden, the whole world and the universe began to shake. I mean, the walls began to do this sort of thing, and they were supposed to be bomb-proof walls. Uh, and uh, and all the stuff on the, in the studio was going up and down, and tape transports that were secured in the racks were falling out of the racks. All the record albums, all the all the uh, eight, uh, the, uh, the 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 tape cartridges falling out. I mean, it, it sounded like a war zone in my earphones as all of this stuff is bouncing off the floors, off the desk, on a live microphone. Uh, my two turntables got sort of seriously dismounted. Um, and uh, and uh, the only thing you could do is just keep on reading. Keep on reading. And when I got done with the newscast, there was a brief second of dead air while I put a turntable back up and recued the record and got it going. The engineer's wife comes out and she says, Russ, didn't you know there was an earthquake? And I said, Ruth Ann, look at this crazy studio. Tell me what happened in here. I think we had an earthquake. Or we had two typhoons. One at a 171 miles an hour. That was the easy one. Uh, our daughter Deborah was born during that. And uh, as if somebody didn't like us and wanted to get even, about three months before we transferred out of the island, we were visited by Pamela. And uh, this is where the illustration comes in because Pamela spent three days on the island at 198 miles an hour. And before we built KTWG, there were five rock and roll stations on the island, and they had prime choice because they'd been there since the Japanese left. And uh, so they had all kinds of sheltered locations, and, and, and you know, and, and they felt like they were secure. They were in concrete buildings, etc. And uh, where we wound up was on the very peak of Mount Aludum which was the tallest mountain on the island. And a uh, matter of fact, the day that the engineers put the beacon on the top of the tower, they were only 100 feet below a 747 that landed over them. And they were out there on their safety harnesses dangling in the breeze as this 747, all kinds of people were looking out, scared to death, because we were right on the center line of six left at Naval Air Station, which was the international airport. After three days at 198 miles an hour, nothing except the typhoon, earthquake-proof, three-foot-thick concrete-walled structures remained. Anything else was flat, except the palm trees that could bend right over and kiss the ground, and when the wind let up, it boink, and our tower. We went back on the air with 50,000 watts instead of 100,000. Anybody who wanted to know what was going on in the Marianas had to listen to us, and they got a good dose of the gospel. But those palm trees, I mean, the, the conifers that were there, they were uprooted. They were blown clean off the island. But the palm jungles that were there that the Japanese didn't blow up or they grew back, they would come down to the ground. And they'd stay there all the time. That wind is blowing. And as soon as the wind let up, they're back up again. They couldn't be uprooted. They couldn't be broken. What's that supposed to say about us? We grow 
from the heart out. We grow flexible in grace. We may bend, but by the loving kindness, by the chesed, the mercy, the grace, the love of God, we don't break. We come back erect, straight and true. We're to grow from the adversities, not break. We're to grow from the heart out. And again, he says here in Psalm 92.1, one other quick illustration and we're finished. He says, it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name almost high. I wish I had time that you prayerfully could benefit from a study I did with our people in Bedworth. In 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, this ties in with what we've just said. Picking up in verse 5, he said, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these abound, uh, be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wish I had the time to deal with this properly. Uh, to, they say that Peter was just a fisherman. I can tell you experientially, having exegeted to Peter, it is the greatest use of the Attican Greek, the classic Greek in the New Testament. And Peter uses bunches of it in this epistle, and it's the only uses of it in the Word of God, the words that he uses. You actually have to go to the classics to get the understanding and get the meaning of the words that Peter chooses to use in this epistle. But here is one of the first uses in this passage, verses 5 to 8, because the concept that we see here, add to your faith, uh, etc., 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 it's a bit more than that. Maybe I could illustrate it this way. A number of years ago, they launched a multi-hundred gazillion dollar satellite to go to someplace out in the middle of nowhere in the universe. I mean, it cost the taxpayers a big chunk of change. And it got out there, and it didn't work. It didn't work. Because there was a little bitty device on there that enabled it to call home and talk to Mama. And on that little bitty device that was supposed to enable it to call home and talk to mama and get its instructions on how it's to behave was an antenna, like a Japanese fan. And it's supposed to open out section by section and go the full 360 degrees and come around. And when it's 360 degrees, bingo, mama's there. You can talk. It didn't make it past the first leaf. It didn't work. But that's the concept here. 
in the these attributes that are to be in the life of the child of the of God. As the palm tree grows from the heart out, one who genuinely is God's child. These precious attributes that are here, faith, virtue, knowledge, uh, temperance, uh, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity, they come out and they unfold like that antenna or like that Japanese fan. As we grow and mature, the next begins to blossom and bear fruit. And as we grow and mature, it blossoms and bears fruit until you come around a well-rounded believer. The point being, God can't take us past the first no. Just like that multi-gazillion dollar antenna, it didn't unfold past the first uh-uh, I ain't unfolding. And it didn't communicate any further. Didn't grow any further. It was stunted and the mission failed. God won't take us past the first no. But as we yield to him, submit to him, and allow him to work in our lives, these fruits, these trials, all of these things that life brings to us, allows us to fan out, allows us to mature, allows us to grow, allows us to develop. Attribute upon attribute. And really, this is, an, this is a perfect illustration of progressive sanctification. Sanctification for the believer is immediate. When we get saved, we're sanctified positionally in Christ to eternal life. But as we yield to him, we grow in grace and in conformity. The third stage is eternal sanctification. When we, 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 when we see him, we shall be like him and be with him. And, uh, but yet, we need to be thankful and we need to praise our God for his mercy. We need to be thankful and praise him for what he does in our lives through the trials and the temptations. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness, thy chesed in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night. Father, Thank you for who you are, the eternally self-existent one, the almighty God, but thankfully also the most high God. You are above anything and everything else that exalts itself and claims to be God. And Father, I'm thankful we're eternally secure. We're secured by the Almighty One. We're secured by the true God, the God of hosts, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Father of eternity. Father, might we 
be like that date palm and grow from the heart out. Might we grow strong. Might we flex, but not break and magnify Christ and come back to an upright position and point to the one who is our strength. I ask that you'd bless. In Christ's name, we do thank thee. Amen. Thank you.